0: What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatela TIS podcast with your host George truly, Josh Shields got a jam-packed show here on this uh, Wednesday slash Thursday, April seventh, April eighth, uh, depending on uh, what time of the day you're listening to this episode. The year two thousand and twenty-one recap. Uh, Final Four national championship game, for you. tie a little uh, ribbon, and uh, send the uh, college basketball season a good night till March of 20. Well, not March of 2022, uh, but until next season. Give you my opinion on Major League Baseball moving the moving their All Star game out of the city of Atlanta. Give you my thoughts on uh, the MLB suspending Nick Castellanos over nothing. And then, uh, quite a few of you have asked me uh, my opinions in detail, in great detail why I can't stand the 17 game NFL season, which will first uh, take place uh, in, to- in this upcoming 20- 2021 season. And I'll give you my thoughts on that a little bit later on. My apologies for not doing a show uh, Saturday. Uh, I should have, and that and falls on me. Easter weekend you know Easter weekend is you know very dicey especially when you grow up in a Christian household such as myself I wanted to get on the air and give you my thoughts and preview the two games uh prior to about five o'clock that's that's a bad job on my part um so so you know first final four that I quote-unquote have covered since in the history of this podcast and and you know I didn't do it, so my apologies for that. And I'm pretty sure you would have uh, liked to hear my thoughts heading into those uh, two basket, two basketball games. Granted, what they were, gave you a little, a little feel with uh, Daniel Oye Fusi, uh, the uh, guy from Baltimore Sun who we had on last Wednesday. Um, so got a little bit of a, of, a, of a decent feel with that. But that, but last week's, last Wednesday's episode was more about. Elite Eight, Sweet 16, I needed to give y'all a couple minutes on those two Final Four games that took place on Saturday. That's a bad job on my part. And uh, I didn't have an opportunity to, you know, to kind of, you know, and I could have went on, you know, s- s- late Saturday night, but it was, you know, but then Eastern the next month. So it was just a complete mess. But the Easter's and the and then the big time holidays like that, there won't be another one until when? Uh, it's, you know, Mother's Mother's Day weekend. So we got so we got about a month and some change. And I still, you know, don't get me wrong. I plan on doing a show Mother's Day weekend, but but you get the idea as far as being preoccupied with holidays and family affairs and all that sort of stuff is concerned. But let's get right into it. And I'm not going to go and deep dive into the two Final Four games and spend more time on the National Championship game and the results of it. And then take a break and get to some other things here in this program. But um, Baylor, you know, in case you've missed it, you know, if you're living under a rock or you went on vacation, whatever. Baylor beat the living stuffing out of out of Houston on a on a Sunday or excuse me on Saturday afternoon. The halftime score was forty five to twenty. Baylor was up twenty five points at the half, and you just thought. I mean, Barkley said it on the uh, Barkley said it on halftime, and everyone said it. You know when when you, Baylor went to the ha- when Houston couldn't chuck the ball off a boat off a boat into the ocean. That's how bad they're shooting. Uh, was in this game, and they're sh- and they and they've pretty much been getting away with uh, having poor offensive, with having a, a a poor offense in this tournament the last whatever it might be, because because how Houston got to this point was their abil- was their excellent ability to get the offensive rebounds and the second chance points, but when you can't offensive rebound and and. We know going in that you're not that strong of a shooting team as far as positive and, re- and really good field goal percentage is concerned on the offensive side of the basketball. It's not a surprise why heading into the half on Saturday uh, afternoon, you were down 25 point, you you know, you were, had a 25 point margin. Baylor absolutely beat the stuffing, stuffing out of And That game was not a competitive, a complete bore. You were better off essentially just, you know, Play the game somewhere else, play the game somewhere else where you know where the game moves at the speed of light, and then you say, Okay, this is the result game non competitive, didn't miss anything. Baylor wins, they advance to the Saturday, or excuse me, to the championship game on Monday. The thriller, uh, the thriller, and the all time classic that's going to get knocked because of what happened on Monday, but. The Thriller, the Absolute Classic, one of the greatest sporting events in the past year that I can think of, that I, that I can think of, and one of the greatest sporting events in the history of American sports, college and pro, and one of the greatest basketball, college basketball and regular basketball games and NCAA Men's Final Four games you are ever, ever, ever going to see in your life. And that was the '93 '90 thriller on Saturday night between Gonzaga and UCLA. You want to talk about a, get, and, I, and I understand it goes for an art because of what Gonzaga, because of what Gonzaga did, um, what Gonzaga did, uh, you know, two days later. And I'll get to that, but because I haven't had a chance to thoroughly wax poetic about, uh, wax poetic about that game on a. Uh, on uh Saturday on Saturday night let me give me with all you know give me a chance to do so because my goodness because my goodness gracious it was a phenomenal 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 basketball game it just i mean just you want to go off the stats and then and then go and then uh you know, take your analysis where where you may. You know, you I mean, both of these teams, as far as shooting field goals were concerned, are absolutely superb. UCLA was thirty four for fifty nine. That's fifty seven percent field goal percentage. That's I mean, that's UCLA going up against Gonzaga, who you know, up again, up until. What Monday had one of the more fluent offenses as far as passing the ball and ball movement on the offensive side of basketball as you could have seen in this tournament. They shot fifty-eight percent from the field, so both teams shot shot well over fifty percent from the from the field. That's that's uh, item number one. Um, Gonzaga didn't hit their threes. So if you want to find one knock, it was that. And they kept UCLA in the game that much because they couldn't shoot the 3-7 for 21, 33% from the field while UCLA was 8 for 17. It put up a little less threes than Gonzaga did, but they hit 47% of them. Um, and of course, with the free and then free throws. Okay, UCLA didn't hit their free throws, sixty-seven percent to Gonzaga's eighty. But you know, so, but again, that's when the three pointers and the free throws. You you, you know you're cherry picking, but you know both teams, You know they UCLA out out rebounded Gonzaga by uh, you know out rebounded Gonzaga by eight rebounds they uh you know pretty uh, pretty even killed game you know they uh, UCLA had uh excuse me Gonzaga had eight steals UCLA had had four you know Gonzaga had a couple of key blocks in this game of course uh, and then they had and then Gonz, and then UCLA had the one block turnovers were pretty much even matched. 10 uh, 10 turnovers to uh, UC- of uh, Gonzaga to UCLA is nine both of the, both of those teams had the 16 fouls even you had uh, Ajayi, the guard of Gonzaga 22 points uh 22 points uh was two uh shot two of 3 f- from 3 9 12 uh from the field had six rebounds two ass- had six uh, rebounds two assists two steals and the game it was absolutely phenomenal kispert and suggs had the two blocks pivotal blocks for Gonzaga in the game timmy uh 25 points 11 of 15 four rebounds two assists and had you know and took that oh. Excuse me, my my water, my water fell down. Um, but um, but and, had, and that was not a charge, by the way. That was an excellent, excellent, excellent play. But I believe that was Timmy, if my memory serves me correctly. That took that charge. That was not a blocking foul. That was that was a charge. That was an excellent, excellent, excellent call by the officials. That was not that was, that was a textbook textbook. They teach the refs. That's a charge. Boot Buddha whistle called it a charge. Refs did a phenomenal job in the game, uh staying out of the way and made that call that needed to be made as far as uh the uh charge is concerned. And then what and then what can you say about Suggs? No, he you know, he was you know, he didn't go crazy offensively in the game, shot 50%, 16 points, five rebounds, six assists uh had two steals in the game uh, went to the free throw line twice hit both of his free throws but i mean so he didn't have a big night uh, compared to a jai or timmy the the, uh, the guard but he hit the game winning three i mean it, i mean you want to talk and then how about johnny juzang going down how about johnny juzang you know wh- do or die time for UCLA. He works. He works his way inside the paint, misses the layup, grabs his own rebound, and then hits the uh, game tying the game tying inside shot with three point three seconds to go in the overtime period. And then of course, and uh, and then oh by the way, with with the with the. Uh, with the free throw situation to get the game to overtime in the first place, and then of course Jalen and Jalen Suggs gets it. They don't take a timeout, which worked to Gonzaga's benefit because UCLA didn't have an didn't have an opportunity to set up their defense in that sequence. But Suggs jives down the court with 3.3 seconds left, gets past midcourt and shoots up a 36, I believe it was 36 foot jump shot that banks off the backboard and goes into the goes into the net. The cap will. One of the more incredible, jaw-dropping college basketball games you were ever going to see in your life was not alive for uh, for the Leitner shot you know, in the Elite Eight, uh, Duke versus Kentucky in '91, I think it was. I was not around for the. Uh, I believe that was Chris Weber, Chris Weber, with the timeout that you know was the tentacles because they had no timeouts left. I was too young, too young. Uh, well, not too young, but I did not see the Butler Duke game where Gordon Hayward chucked up a shot that near that nearly went in off the backboard in the two thousand and ten Final Four championship. Uh, I remember the Chris Jenkins, you know, the Chris Jenkins game at uh, Villanova, uh, North Carolina. Um, uh, the 2016 national championship game. I remember it, and I remember going to school and hearing such a bit. What a big hoopla it was! But I did not see that game. You know, I did not see that game live. Um, I'm trying to think of any other uh, if uh, of any other uh, basketball game. I obviously, was obvious I mean, my mother was was around. My age, a little older for that for that uh, North Carolina Georgetown game in the Superdome where Jordan hit the uh, hit the game-winning shot for um for uh, Dean Smith and the North Carolina Tar Heels. But that is one of the more compelling and thr- more compelling, thrilling, entertaining, uh, butt on the edge of your seat type of sporting event. Basketball games, college basketball games. NCAA Tournament Basketball Games, Final Four Games, you are ever, 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 ever going to see in your life. Ever. That game was phenomenal. and gave you everything you wanted from start to finish. People thought that the UCL, the UCLA's you know that they were going to to, use, to kind of equate the point, you know, the equate the fact that people have been calling them a "quote-unquote" Cinderella team. You'd think that they, that you know that the clock would strike midnight on UCLA, which it did, but it didn't. But it but it struck midnight, ironically enough, at like the 11th hour. You know, it, you thought that the, you thought that they were essentially going to get the we going to get the Baylor treatment against Houston in the first game. You know, they had a nice little run. Got very lucky to beat. Got very lucky to beat Michigan. Of course, I screamed and yelled about Michigan going for threes when they were down one point, or, or in this, or in, or in a later case when they had the free throw uh, situation when they when all they needed was a two to tie the game and to go into overtime. You know, I screamed and yelled about that. They got very. I not to say four, not lucky because they did work their rear ends off to beat. Uh, Alabama in overtime, but they could have just as easily lost to Alabama if Alabama was able to make free throws. Alabama did send that game into overtime. You do forget. They beat them by 10 points, but that game did go into overtime. They had the scratch and claw in the first four when they beat Michigan State in overtime the first night of the tournament. So they have scratched. And I tell you, for, and, I read, and I read a tweet uh, during the game on Saturday night. And I forget who tweeted, but they were absolutely right. You know, typically the California, more and more specific, the Los Angeles sports teams, they get the, um, I don't know whether to say stigma, reputation, or uh, stigma, uh, reputation, whatever word you want to come up with, they get the. Like, I'll just use the, you know, they get the reputation for uh, or or, um, or the stereotype. That's even better. one, They get the stereotype that they are a flashy. You know that that you know when they win and when they're successful, they're the flashy. You know, highlight reel. T- they, they 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 win games with a lot of finesse, with a lot of flashiness, with a lot of. With a lot of showmanship involved, like, you know, like you know, like you know, like actors and musicians, all that stuff is concerned, because they play in the the entertainment capital world that is Los, that is Hollywood, that is the city of Los Angeles in Southern California. But you know, you know, you see, you know, with the you know, so you know, with the Lakers and Showtime, and even with LeBron, and and you go to the Dodgers. Mookie Betts is kind of like that flashy, is kind of like that flashy player. Um you know angels they haven't won anything, but they got you know they got Mike Trout, you know you know so so you get the and otani and everything else, so and and you so, but the thing that blew people away was u c l a being a team, you know Los Angeles is in the name of the school, University of California, Los Angeles, or University of uh, Los Angeles, California, and they just put u c l a because it sounds like i don't know Mike in Orange county. You know, you you know you know the actual full name of the school. I don't, but uh, but um the point is is that UCLA earned they earned my respect and they and if you, they didn't earn the rest of America's respect already, they did with that Gonzaga game, because for a team again from LA, they played as gutty and as gritty and as hard nosed of uh, you know what. 45 minutes of basketball you are ever, again, ever going to see in life. Johnny Juzang deserves tremendous credit. He had a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal tournament taking taking over the games left and right. I mean, my goodness. Suggs shot. Suggs doesn't have a chance to be the hero and to be on everyone's highlight reel. From now until the end of time, if Zhang doesn't doesn't drive inside the paint, get his own rebound after his first initial missed shot, and then put and then gets his own rebound and then puts it back in to tie the game up at uh, what to tie the game up at, at um uh, ninety decide to, to tie the game up at tie the game up at ninety apiece. But give Johnny Juzang, who played who was absolutely phenomenal in this tournament, give him credit and who was very good in this game 29 points shot a 12th of 18 from the field, 50 percent from three, six rebounds, two assists uh, had had two steals in the game and had that uh, and had that uh, and had a phenomenal play seconds before the sub shot at the end. but give UCLA and Mick Cronin a ton of credit, a gutty gritty. Hard-nosed, blue-collar basketball team, UCLA. Phenomenal job. I mean, like, as Clark Kellogg Kellogg did in the postgame, stood up and gave both of those teams a standing ovation. Because both of those teams, yeah, you know, missed free throws here and there. Yeah, one team didn't specifically shoot as great from behind the arc as, 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 as their opponent did. But for the most part, that beginning again, it's cherry-picking. For the most part, those teams met each other pound for pound, punch for punch, blow for blow. It was one of those big-time heavyweight fights that goes the distance where, where I, my best is met with your best and your best is met with my best. Where, where they both were giving it their A game from the opening tip all the way until that ball went into the hoop with Suggs' game-winning three at the end. They gave it everything they got. And as a sports fan, as a basketball fan, you have to appreciate that and love that about that game on Saturday. You have to. One of the more classic basketball games you are ever, again, one more time, ever going to see in your life. And then Ra- and Raftery's call at the end made me laugh with this when he said there are onions, Jim, and then there are major onions <laughs> with a kiss. And for those of you, <clears throat> the people on Twitter that apparently had never watched a college basketball game broadcasted by Raftery Pride on Monday night, that in translation, uh, boys and girls means onions is. Raftery's um unique way of saying, X player has or has shown, excuse my French, balls on that play and in that certain situation because he does something clutch or does something big time to either win the game for his team or to save them from uh from their uh from their opponent's demise. And major onions essentially is you know that. Times two because it was because it was something really clutch and something really major that took place in the game and with a kiss is what he says when a shot hits off the backboard and goes and swishes into the net so so and and you know and with the lingerie quote uh, that's Raftery's way of saying that he that X player was undressed by X player's crossover move so raf three isms guys you got to learn them i mean I, I mean twitter world was just i mean if it, you're supposed to be watching i don't know what you're watching if you have not watch the tournament from beginning from beginning to end anyway but you've got to have a little feel uh you got to have a little feel come national championship night of uh, raf three's little uh you know slangs Without going to Twitter every five seconds, or what does this mean? What is this announcement? When he says this, or what? What is he? What is he saying? Like I don't under, I don't get. I don't get that. Yeah. Watch basketball games and don't wait and know who have a, just have a clue and have an idea of what's going on. My Twitter feed was blowing up on Monday night. Or what? What does Raftery mean when he does this? What does Raftery mean when he does that, guys? Wake up, pay attention, and get a clue. But that's not even there. It was a fantastic basketball game. And when it went and when it went in, I was like, for the win. I was like, oh, he got it. You know, It was just absolute. It was. It was. It was. It was oh, my goodness. It was so phenomenal. The ending. Just through the entire game. And if you want, I can get the. What, in fact, was the halftime. Uh, well, let me see if I can find what the halftime score was in that game but uh, but I mean it was such a tightly contested and a close basketball game from beginning to end. I mean it was just unbelievable. The halftime score was um was Gonzaga was up by a point, 45-44 at the half. So it, a phenomenal just a phenomenal basketball game. It really was. And it isn't and, it, and it's a shame that I that I say that. And it's a shame that this game isn't gonna be looked as you know one of the game's all-time greatest games, and one of sports all-time greatest games, because of what took place two days later. And what took place two days later was that Gonzaga, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was, you know, the win against UCLA was too emotional for and Or, you know, that game in Indianapolis, I think, I'm not positive, but I think Indianapolis is in the the Eastern time zone. And you best, you know, and you best believe that that huge adrenaline rush, that game didn't end until, until, I want to say a little close to midnight. I don't think it ended right after midnight. Or maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But it ended... It, it every, Even though it was a Saturday night, it ended late in the night and Gonzaga and the, not the Gonzaga, but the Houston players had already, you know, showered, washed up, been fed, and probably were in their hotel rooms, if not sleeping, counting Z's, when Gonzaga is fighting tooth and nail to knock off 11-seeded UCLA. So, I don't want to say that, you, that Gonzaga was tired, but... I think when it comes to like emotionally, you you know Baylor was coming, you know Baylor was like you know Houston was easy work, had an easy night. Meanwhile, Gonzaga coming off of that miracle win, that miracle victory, and had coming off the you know and you know, that huge high, and they probably and probably those players probably some of them probably didn't go to bed till. Probably well after two o'clock in the morning, you know, it's just coming off of that huge high and that adrenaline rush, and you're looking on social media, and you know, your head's getting pumped up, and you, so all of that involved. Meanwhile, and then of, and then of course, and then of course, going into the next day, Easter Sunday, all everyone could talk about was was the sub shot with Gonzaga, and then if he, and then if members of the of the Baylor team didn't happen to see the game live. They wake up and they go on their cell phones and they go on social media and social media and their mentions and their text messages and everything else is just going bonkers over what happened the other night. And then, you know, so and then Baylor has the idea, well, this team thinks that, you know, they're destined to win a national championship there, keep their undefeated season alive. They're the number one seed overall, you know, at the beginning of the tournament. They're coming off this miracle victory in a in an absolute classic against UCLA the other night. You know, we we have to, we, as, and as when I mean we, I mean Baylor, was saying to themselves, Look the look that game on Saturday night means nothing if we don't beat them on if we don't beat them on um on Monday night, and they had that mindset, and they straight up and down kicked Gonzaga in the mouth. many of people I heard many of people compare that game on Monday night to Super Bowl. Uh, forty-eight when Seattle absolutely beat the living snot out of the Denver Broncos and they didn't have a chance from the opening kickoff on. And then another th- thing that I heard that I heard that the uh, that it was compared to was uh, this past Super Bowl where everyone thought and everyone thought that this game between Baylor and Gonzaga was going to be an absolute classic, and everyone thought that Brady versus Mahomes was going to be a game for the ages. And it turns out that was one of the more morbid, more boring, more non-compelling uh, football games you were ever going to see. I mean, come, tw- come, regardless what happens with Mahomes' career or not, come, you know, twenty, twenty-five, thirty years from now. No one is going to look back and say, hey, you remember uh, Brady versus Mahomes with an all-time classic Super Bowl? That was not a chance in hell. That game, I mean, 31-9. to 9. I mean, the Chiefs, again, with, the high score, with their high-flying, high-scoring offense and Mahomes and whole nine yards, couldn't even bother, didn't score a touchdown in the game. And but I, again, I'm getting off the beaten path. That's what Monday night's game the 86-70 victory in the hands of Baylor uh, was compared to. And I also heard another thing that was quite interesting, as far as uh, as far as that Jalen Sugg shot in their game against UCLA is going to get knocked historically because of what happened on Monday. You know, people were saying on social media, "Does anyone remember?" Um, and I I think it was a bad example, but it was accurate, but it was a bad example uh, with Jalen, not Jalen, but Jermaine Curse's ridiculous circus catch against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Does anyone remember that? That was two plays before, uh, yeah, that was two plays before um, Wilson's interception of Butler. Does anyone remember that? Now, and I came back and I argued I said, you know, right idea, right, right concept, right idea, bad analogy, bad play. The perfect analogy is: Does anyone really remember or really talk about? And you gotta think to yourself when I say this: Does anyone really remember? Maybe people in Seattle, and of course, this guy's family probably talks about it nonstop, and. It, And it gets mentioned whenever the Green Bay Packers lose an NFC Championship game, a la back in January. But does anyone really remember the classic championship game 2014 between the Packers and the Seahawks? Does anyone really talk about the onside kick that went off of Bostick's helmet which sparked the whole rally for Seattle? Does anyone really remember how Russ Wilson, you know, ran from essentially one sideline to the next to get the two-point conversion, which I believe I think tied the game up or put them within one possession one of those two, or when they ran a fake field goal that did that did them wonders in that in that second half game too? Does anyone again, outside of when the fact that it's mentioned in the same breath of Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers, uh? NFC Championship shortcomings, does anyone really talk about it? Does anyone really remember um, Jermaine Curse's overtime catch that won the game and got them to the Super Bowl? Completed a comeback overtime, Wilson to Curse catch, touchdown game, over. no one really talks about that and really brings that up. Not just because of Seattle, not just because Seattle lost the Super Bowl two weeks later, but how they lost. Which till this day is probably one of the more controversial endings in the history of, of a game in the history of sports. No one, now we'll remember it and we'll still talk about it because it's still fresh in our mind and the game was so unbelievable. But give it a couple of years. You won't hear many two people bring up that UCLA, unless they play each other again. You won't hear anyone else really bring up the Gonzaga UCLA historically. You won't you won't hear that and Jalen and Jalen Suggs is shot. You won't hear that. Cause not cause not only did Gonzaga lose the national championship to make it all for nothing two days later, but how they lost. Gonzaga was. Thoroughly outmatched, punched in the face, and embarrassed by Baylor on Monday night. Embarrassed. No one, again, unless it's brought up in the same sentence of the Packers' shortcomings in the playoffs, no one really talks about that 2014 NFC Championship with Jermaine Curry's catch a game winning touchdown pass. Because Seattle lost the Super Bowl two weeks later and how they lost it. I mean, I I could go on and on and on. I could go on and on and on. Outside of the city of Baltimore, does it really, outside of the city of Baltimore, does anyone really recall or can remember or can pinpoint Delman Young's three-run double in game two against the Tigers 2014? Even though the Orioles won the next game, that was it. The Orioles didn't win a home game after that Delmy Young game. The Orioles did not win a home game, a home playoff game the rest of that postseason run and got swept by the Royals and didn't go to the World Series. That's something that the younger Oriole fan holds on to, such as myself, that wasn't alive for 83. But in the big picture, outside of State of Maryland and the city of Baltimore. No one really talks about that game, too, with Delma Young with the double. No one really brings that up. No one really brings up the onside kick, the fake field goal, the Russell Wilson miracle two point conversion, the Jermaine Curse catch to win the game in overtime. Outside of it being mentioned in the subject of the Packers' shortcomings, no one really brings that up, and no one really remembers it as a, as the all-time classic moment it was at the time, such as the Jalen Suggs shot in the UCLA game on Saturday. And it falls into that category. That game falls into that 2014 NFC Championship game category. It does. It falls into that Minneapolis Miracle category. Now it might be a little bit again more memorable because in recent memory that's all the Vikings fans have had for the last whatever it might be 20 something years since, since their 98 season. But is it going to be talked about in a histor- in a historical from a historical standpoint? Ten, fifteen, twenty five years from now, especially if the Vikings kind of fade out and Stephon Diggs wins a championship with the Bills, no one's really no, who's gonna bring that up. Eventually the myst- the mystique of the Minneapolis miracle, and it's only been a few years, but eventually it's going to slow, you won't notice it, but it will slowly die. No one really brings it up outside of Minneapolis and when it so happens to be the anniversary of that game. Outside of the it really doesn't get brought up that often. Why? Because like Gonzaga, who, like that Viking team, had a miracle finish? Now, with well, the Vikings, it was a little bit different because they were, you know, they were dead to rights. You know, they were they were dead to rights. The chances of them winning that game was probably less than ten percent. You know, they had allowed Will Lutz to kick what would have been a game-winning field goal for the Saints, and it was and it looked like that the Vikings were left for dead. If Jalen Suggs doesn't hit that shot, oh well, we play we play more basketball, we go into a double overtime. But, like Gonzaga, coming off of that incredible high of that miracle finish and that miracle ending, only for, in the Vikings' case, the next Sunday, and for Gonzaga's case, two days later, to not only lose the game, which would have cemented the legacy for that miracle finish the weeks or the days before, but they didn't lose the game, they got embarrassed. Vikings were punched in the mouth from the opening kick by the Eagles in that 2017 championship game. Gonzaga was punched in the mouth by Baylor from the opening tip of that championship game on Monday night. And it's a shame because it's a classic basketball game and a classic moment in sports, especially in this young decade and in this century, but it's legacy as far as the all-time classic moment that it is and was, gets decreased, or gets knocked, or gets cut in half because of how Gonzaga performed on Monday. You thought they were going to make a run, they were down by 10 and a half time, but every single time Gonzaga got close, Baylor just pulled away. And it was one of the more underwhelming and and just underwhelming and more just meh championship games you're gonna see. Just um, it left you a just a disappointing, underwhelming taste in your mouth. And another thing that I've learned too, and then I'll take a break get on to the MLB All-Star game stuff. But if you ever notice that every single time people hype things up, at least when it comes to games, the games always disappoint. I love the Super Bowl, I love the championship game on Monday night. Every single time people hype up, not all the time, but most of the time, people hyped up in Super Bowl 49, that game was an absolute cla- classic, you know, the game I love to tell you about because it's my favorite Super Bowl and the greatest football game I've ever seen, but every single time, and within recent times, every single time people hype it up, social media, TV, radio, whatever, it more likely than not, always, always, always ends up being a dud, a complete utter dud. Gonzaga could have cemented their legacy. Being the first undefeated team since, the, since Indiana in 76 to be an undefeated champion. And Jalen Suggs could have put himself in Gonzaga, if not college basketball's place of immortality. With putting the cherry on top to that phenomenal game on Saturday... And Jalen Suggs' miracle shot on Saturday. But instead, they didn't, get, they didn't just get beat by Baylor on Monday night. They got embarrassed. Embarrassed. Take a break. Give my thoughts on this Major League Baseball All-Star Game situation. Stay tuned. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amite Libertarian's podcast. <clears throat> Switching gears now to a subject, and that's why not just the Final Four, but I wanted to give you my two cents on this on Saturday because uh, the news broke last uh, third, or excuse me, last Friday afternoon that um, that Major League Baseball was moving the All Star their All Star their 2021 All Star game out of the city of Atlanta and out of the state of Atlanta, Georgia. And let me be frank, and I'm gonna tell like it is, like the title of the show. And if you get mad at me, and if you're pissed at me, and I, I just to let you know, I I, I I I I couldn't be bothered to give a damn. I I gotta I just gotta I gotta be honest with you. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say, and I'm be and I'm not gonna back down for what I'm gonna say. And if you don't like it, tough. And if you agree, great. If you, if you don't have an opinion, who cares? Um major league, first of all, major league baseball did this because they, along with many other businesses and companies that are based in and do business with the state of Georgia, have gotten heat and rightfully so have gotten heat for being mum. Or doing business with Georgia, excuse me, in spite of what's gone on recently, as far as the new voting law goes within the state of Georgia. And to be quite honest with you, it's the law itself. If you want my opinion on it, the law itself is a joke it's egregious, it's asinine, it is repulsive, it is reprehensible. The fact that you're going to incriminate people, and I heard all this talk, people sitting trying to tell me, well, they're doing it to protect the integrity of the election and not wanting people's vote- votes to be swayed by people who give away and sell water and and food and and give blankets to people who are cold and all this extra BS. Look, first of all, if you are that much... If you are... First of all, I don't know anyone who, on election day, if they plan on going to the ballot box, I don't know anyone who goes in there and standing in line not having at least an idea an idea of who they're going to vote for in the election and if you're the type of person that is that mentally weak or is that easily persuade to the point where someone out of the goodness of their heart is giving you or selling you a bottle of water for instance and if they try to spew their political beliefs onto you. If you're that mentally weak and if you're that easily persuaded by what other people think and other people's opinions, then, to be quite honest with you, maybe you have no business in voting. Because the whole purpose is to voice your opinion of what you think and what you believe and what you feel within between the ears within your brain and in your heart you shouldn't vote one interest or the next regardless of what party you identify with because someone on the street giving you a bottle of water tells you to and if you're that mentally weak and you're that easily persuaded by what a random stranger says on the street while you're in the voting line then maybe you have no business voting in the first place that's item number one Item number two is the fact that, and I've heard a lot of this, too, that while well, I stand in line and I've been voting for X amount of years and no one has ever given me this or given me that or or, I, or the X amount of people isn't owed this, that, and the other, the people that have made that argument, and I've heard many people make it within the last going on week or so, Here's here's what you're not getting. The law... Here's what you're not getting. It's not the fact. Of course no one is owed anything, anything in this life. No one is owed anything. No one is saying that people are owed, voters are owed a bottle of water, a slice of pizza a blanket if it's cold outside in the Northeast. No one's saying that th- that, that they aren't old vet when they're standing in line executing their constitutional right to vote. No one is saying that they are old that because of course they aren't. Of course they aren't. But why should a law have to be passed to make it a felony Not a misdemeanor, but a felony. You know what? A felony. Rape, murder, that's a felony. A felony to give people, if they want it. And that's the key that people are forgetting here. If people want it. People should have the option or the ability or the liberty to choose whether or not if someone, and I don't expect it all the time, and nor should necessarily people do it all the time, but if a person is in a good mood, or they're really charitable, or whatever, and they see that the line essentially that the voting line wraps around the block three times over, and they're in a you know invade, and whether it's a cold day or if it's an unseasonably warm, if it's un if it's an unseasonably Warm day, wherever you might be, in this case, Georgia, and I get it, it, it's not scorching hot in November in Georgia, but it could get warm, you know, it is the, it is the, it is the South, it is the South, it is the South, and voting day is, in voting day, election day, is in the early part of November, not on the back end, it's more closer to, you know, October still in that In the thick of the quote unquote fall season And not towards the back end of the month Around Thanksgiving towards the winter time But people should have the liberty Have the liberty If they Just out of the goodness and the kindness of their heart To give out water To those who want it Or to those who need it Because Georgia Come right out and say it Georgia is one of the states that this past election came down to. That was a key battleground state. They had the senator runoffs with Ossoff, Warnock, Purdue, and Leffler in January, and then they had, and then, you know, make the argument, and I'm no, you know, election guru, but from what I saw, and I'm pretty sure it goes, what side you're on, you would at least agree with me on this that the election came down to who won Georgia between Biden and Trump. And Georgia, which is and in its past, been a Republican state, flipped for the first time in God knows how long, the two Republican senators were kicked out, and the two one one white guy and then the other one A white woman who's a who's a complete and utter nut job, just call it like we see it—an absolute clown. Lost to a Jewish man and a black guy, and you don't expect people like me who, or people like me, or people who are anti—you know. Whatever you want. You don't expect people to to raise an eyebrow and and ask the question if it's a little strange, if it's a little odd, if it's a little dubious. Obviously, there was nothing wrong with your previous voting rights because, up until 2020, for the most part, you've gotten your way in every election. But now, all of a sudden, people kind of get that itch. That, and they kind of see the writing on the wall and realize that this election could make make or break America, not just with the presidential, but the senator stuff too, with the with the senator with the Georgia senator runoff, and for the first time in God knows how long, the state flips. Now all of a sudden, a bunch of Georgia lawmakers, who are Republicans, by the way, decide to change the voting law to make handing out water to people who are standing in line to vote a felony. I mean, really? And, and, and in the same breath, you do you expect people to accept that and to be okay with that? Hell no. Hell no. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. A felony. A felony. Again, no one is saying that one is old. No one's saying, and the argument. Well, I've been, in this, and I've never. Okay, fine, that's by happenstance. It's by coincidence. But I tell you something right now, if you are smacking your mouth, and, and the back of your tongue was stuck to the roof of your mouth because you were thirsty out of your out of your mind, or if God forbid someone was there and it was it was like 89 degrees unseasonably. If, well not on season but a but a very warm fall day in Georgia and someone and someone who, you know, eighty something years old black, white, you pick the race, you know, covering off of a heat stroke or could have one is dehydrated, and you're gonna Make someone who sees that and has the decency to give them you're gonna make you gonna make them do jail time for that? Really? Really? That's that, 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 that it, it is so egregious and so reprehensible that it's it, 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 it it's 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 damn embarrassing, to be quite honest with you. It's embarrassing. And again, I understand that st- states such as Delaware, New York, and Colorado have these laws in place, and I am not, and I will make this crystal clear to y'all, not excusing that, and I'm not okay with that. Last time I checked, this is the United States of America that has always, 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 always been dubious when it comes to their citizens voting. Whether it's keeping women from voting, keeping black folk from voting, whether it's how many bubbles in a bar of soap, to to these you know to, uh, these these dumb tests that they would pull on black folk in the '60s, keeping them trying to keep them from vote, the Jim Crow, the old fashioned Jim Crow ways, trying to get, don't get me started. This entire country is a, is is a complete cesspool of Garbage For lack of a better word I'm not excusing that And I am not uh, And I am not um, Giving that my stamp of approval But Last time I checked The 2020 presidential election Did not come down to New York or Delaware I understand, yes, President Biden is from Delaware. But the election come down to Delaware. He's from Delaware, he's gonna win Delaware. Then I come down to New York. New Yorkers, for the most part, despise Donald Trump. One chance in hell Donald Trump was winning New York. Not a chance. It ain't. the election didn't come down to New York. It didn't come down to Delaware. Biden's from Delaware, and New York can't stand Donald Trump as far as they can throw him. And and for stuff that proceeds long before he announces run for president. Can't stand him. The election didn't come down to those two states. Came down to Georgia. And the fact that the state of Georgia for once in Christ knows how long was flipped and the Republican lawmakers within that state did not like it, so they changed the law. The voting laws is disgraceful and is despicable. And it, for the, for the least of, 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 of such, should make you raise an eyebrow. At the very least. Because to call it fishy or to call it dubious is being nice. Is being nice and businesses their feet was getting held to the fire because old saying you hit people in their pocketbook and their hearts and their minds will fall they were feeling the heat because their lawmakers were a that dumb to think that they were going to change the law and find and somehow some way get away with it without anyone having a reaction or anyone or, or them not having to pay the consequences for their actions. For every action there's an equal for every Action as an opposite and/or equal reaction. for so the fact that they didn't get that is also pretty shocking and alarming. But people were not, you know, people not people weren't going to stand for it. They they were not going to stand for it, and Rob Manfred bringing it back home to the baseball—no pun intended. Rob Manfred could not afford to have essentially his black players or any other players that that, you know, that are against this law that he could not take the chance of them boycotting the All-Star game and coming out. and once the All-Star game comes around his All-Star game is a complete farce because it's big-time stars that got what? Elected to the All-Star game don't bother to show up. Don't bother to show up. Now, do I love the fact that he put it in Colorado, a predominantly white city, in a state that has similar voting laws to Georgia? Hell no. But again, to all the people that thinks that Rob Manfred is some neo-left ultra liberal, you know what? Look just look at where he moved the All-Star game. Get okay, Rob Manfred is commissioner of baseball. He's not president of the United States. He is supposed to keep he and his owners are supposed to keep their little political views out of the picture for the sake of making money, especially Manfred owners, not so much because they can make their little donations and they can endorse certain things, you know, you know, Dan Snyder with Trump, which makes me vomit, but you get Jerry Jones. Yeah, I can go on and on and on, but he is supposed to be the quote unquote president of the sport that's supposed he's that's supposed to appeal to people on both sides of the aisle, regardless of what political belief. And for the Tucker Carlsons of the world and all the Republican lawmakers and all the Republican congressmen and senators and people on Twitter that side with those people that don't that don't have a freaking clue in the world need to get a grip and need to pay attention and need to and need to wake up and smell the coffee. Coming off of a year where Manfred had to cancel his all star game because of the pandemic. Had to cancel it. And they might not have it next year because of the potential war that's going to happen between the Major League Players Association and the MLB owners. So they might not have it next year, and they didn't have it last year because of the pandemic. And it's a sport that is dying for national attention, that is dying For the spotlight. That desperately needs their... What little black superstars they have in the sport. They need them to be a part of their game's biggest stage. That is the All-Star game. Not to mention... And let me look it up. Not to mention... I think... I'm not positive. But I think... Because of the fact that the NBA season started um, two months late, that the finals is go- that the finals I hear it is the finals is going to last from July eighth to July twenty second of this year. The MLB All Star Game is July. 13th, right in the middle of it. Now, the schedule is complete, obviously, with the NBA of who plays what night, but they might get hammered if it's LeBron and Brooklyn in the final, if it's the Nets and the Lakers in the final. AD and LeBron going up against Durant, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. They're going to get destroyed in the ratings. This, not by much because both of them can't draw flies anyway, but they're going to get destroyed. Not to mention, ABC is going to naturally get a bigger rating than Fox. Just go look at the just go look at the Super Bowl ratings. Fox, every Super Bowl that naturally is going to be broadcasted on Fox is going to get a lower rating because it's Fox. It's not ABC, CBS, NBC that's been around, that's been a American television network staple for the better part of 60-plus years. It's, it's Fox. It's a, you know, it's a quarter of a century old. But having said all that, they're going to get destroyed in the ratings anyway. And it cannot afford people protesting outside the stadium, wanting them to either cancel the game or to move it last minute. And then God forbid you have people from the other side And the next thing you know, you have a whole Charlottesville situation, God forbid, on your hands outside of Truist Park in Cobb County down in Georgia. And at the same time, Mookie Best decides not to play. Judge, Stanton, and pick and, you know, and, 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 finish running after they don't play either. And Dave Roberts was supposed to be the man, one of the two managers in the all-star game who's also black doesn't manage either Uh, out of protest says, screw you guys. I'm blowing off the all-star game. And then on top of it, they're getting destroyed in the ratings because everyone's going nuts. Because LeBron, because because LeBron shot a three, shot a three in Kyrie Irving's face and stared him down middle of the third quarter, and uh, at the Staples Center in front of five thousand fans. So really, when you think about it, it again from an economic standpoint. He can't afford to lose his All-Star game. We didn't have one last year, and he might not have one in 2022. He has to protect and save his All-Star game, period. And a prime example of that is look where he moved the game. Look where he moved the game. He moved to Colorado, which, according to many a folk, have, the sim- have similar voting laws and voting restrictions that the state of Georgia does. So the idea that Manfred, that, you know, does MLB realize does they've been headquartered in New York City? Well, first, no. And all you idiots on Fox that, again, no, absolutely don't know what the hell you're talking about. They, they don't realize that. He has to protect. Some half, of the- and that's and that's the Republicans' problem. And more, more, more than half of them. That's the problem. Anyway, too too freaking focused on conspiracy theories and, and and a whole bunch of other um, cra- crazy crap instead of instead of taking a step back, thinking with some actual logic and common sense, and seeing it for what it is. They aren't. Uh, I, I, I. 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 can't. I, I. I. can't do it when they. When. When Republicans do that stuff, I can't take it. Instead of looking at it from a logical standpoint, using common sense, you got to give me your theories and and make up these these psychotic little uh, ideas in your head to 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 you know to give you to give you try to convince you. A reason or two why Manfred moved the game, and the idea that well, if, it's, if Georgia is Jim Crow, I heard this from Volcan. Well, if Georgia is 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 Jim Crow 2.0, and New York is this and other, how long has MLB been headquartered in New York? What? New York, Major League Baseball, along with probably I think all the sports leagues have been headquartered in New York City since Christ knows how long. That, that, that that's not the point. The point is Manfred had to protect his All Star game. Period. Point blank. End of story. And God forbid, there's a major demonstration that takes place outside of Truist Park, and God forbid someone goes straight, goes crazy, throws throws one bottle, throws one brick. One window's broken, one punch is thrown, and all of a sudden you have a fiasco on your hands, and you can't play the game and you can't play the game anyway because the damn city of Atlanta is on fire, and on top of that, his big players in the game aren't playing, so you got to look at it logically and with some common sense. My opinions on the matter aren't necessarily the reason why. Necessarily, probably some, something to do with it, yes, but aren't pro- most likely the main reason why he moved the game. I'm just giving you my two cents on it, and I'm glad Manfred moved the game. And I'm hearing, well, look at look at the people that you're hurting in the city of in the state of in the city of Atlanta, and there's that and the other. It's called sacrifice. It's called sacrifice, and I don't think. And and all it comes down to, folks, and keeps them realized, all it comes down to is dollars and cents. MLB is simply punishing the state of Georgia, not allowing them to make money off of their All Star game. Because of that voting law, that's that's basically what it's comes right down to. That right down to that. So yes, the small businesses of the world don't get an opportunity to make their money in Atlanta during that week and during that All Star game. But who's going to get the chunk of? Who's going to get the the huge chunk? of the consumers money during that week is it the little mom and pop barbecue joint on the street or is it the or is it the big time fortune 500 restaurant companies in downtown atlanta that is going to make the majority of that money or people who may have more I'll call it more Emotional ties to the people that run things within the state of Georgia and run big time businesses and make good money and and contribute money to such and such as, you know, uh, run for office in the state of Georgia. You, You get you see what I'm getting at here. That's why. And to protect this all star game. Because again, he cannot afford for it to be a complete fiasco, and the, and the All-Star game is, is 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 made a mockery of down in Atlanta. In the meantime, NBA. Meanwhile, the NBA Finals are is is kicking baseball where the sun don't shine in the ratings because they had because they got uh because they got five because got five future Hall of Famers on the floor in a championship basketball setting. And the MLB All-Star Game, especially because they took the home field advantage of the World Series off the table, the All-Star Game, especially now, more than ever, means nothing. A meaningless baseball game, exhibition game, that means nothing, with the whole lot of distractions and players and managers and coaches, boycotting this, that, and the other, going up against a game that's really popular... In a championship setting with, in no particular order, the top five best players in the league on the floor all at the same time. In a championship setting on a network that automatically is going to get a much bigger rating. That unlike in the previous NBA Finals where it's played in the middle of October, it's more, you get more of that, even though it's not in the month of June, it's still in it still has that summertime feel to it with it being played in early mid July. But that's my thought on it. Good for Manfred for moving the game. Things need to change, not just in George, but in this country in general. And if you can't see it for what it is, then shame on you. And for all you soft snowflakes, and yes, I'm gonna call you soft little snowflakes, because that in in that's what you are if all you snowflakes that are caught Sports Talk Radio that are going to social media, crying and moaning and groaning, sound like a bunch of spoiled, sissy-fied little you-know-whats, saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. I ain't boycotting MLB, and hey, MLB this, and I'll be that, and man for this, and man for that. I'm giving up my season tickets, I'm not watching this, and nobody's gonna watch that, and... Cancel culture this and cancel culture that. You can go ahead and you can take your little complaint slip and you can take it up, ball it up and stick it where the sun don't shine and put whatever is left in it in your little pipe and smoke it until you drop dead blue in the face suffocating on your own pipe smoke. Get over yourselves, grow up, quit being a bunch of sensitive little children. act like a bunch of gr- a, a bunch of grown adults. Get a grip, get a spine, get a clue, learn how to separate some stuff, show a little bit of maturity here. get over yourself and get over it and move on. If you're going to give it up because of this, A, you're sensitive and you're soft and, as a bunch of cupcakes. And two, maybe you really aren't that much of a sports fan slash baseball fan. I'm just saying. Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm can tell podcast. Now that I've uh, killed Manfred the Major League or excuse me, praised Manfred the Major League Baseball, let me kill him for a minute. And that is because they suspended uh, Reds outfielder Nick Castellano's two games for an incident that took place on Saturday against the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a major league baseball that tries that is trying to build brands of their players and is trying, and wants their players to show more personality and wants them to be enthusiastic and celebrate and pump their fish and show emotion a lot of the NBA and the NFL player does. Yet their suspension for Castellanos is completely tone deaf and it just falls into what the problem as far as the people that run Major League Baseball is concerned. They suspended Joe Kelly for essentially doing what Cast for, they essentially suspended Castellanos and Kelly for doing the same thing. That's quote-unquote sparking a brawl. Now, I understand COVID protocols as any other, but my goodness, really? To, uh, suspension? Really? Suspended Kelly for getting his retribution about what the Astros did. They suspended him. Suspended Joe Kelly. Suspended him. Suspended him. Astros didn't get a suspension. Astros didn't get a suspension. He did. not Eight games. Came on here, screamed and yelled about it. Had a professional on later that show. Remember, like it was yesterday. Suspended him. It was the only sport I had to scream. I, I had to scream about at the time because all you had was you had well, you, know, you had NBA, but you get the idea. Screamed about it. Suspended Kelly for. Throwing at him and making a face and, quote-unquote, sparking a brawl. Suspended him. Castellanos hits a home run opening day last Thursday. Pimps it a little bit, celebrates showboys, whatever he does. Who cares? It's the first game of the season. Let it roll off your back, will you, please? Hits a home run, gets hit the next day. Didn't like it. He knew what it was about. Comes home. Comes around third on his way home on you know, a wild pitch. And Jake Wolford, Woodford, uh, the relief pitcher for the Cardinals in the fourth inning, comes to cover home plate. Um, bang bang play. Cassiano's is safe. He gets up. Flexes on him, talks talks trash to him. Then Wolfer gets up in his face, and all of a sudden you have a bench clearing incident, and they suspended Cassiano's two games, suspended him two games for essentially showing emotion, which some of that I thought baseball is for, and wants their players to do. But not nah, the tone deaf people that that, that that run baseball, I believe, up on, uh, I think it's Park Avenue, thing is where it is. Obviously, think not suspending him two games was one of the more bogus, egregious suspensions I've ever heard of. Suspending him for a sense of showing emotion and flexing on an opposing player? Really? Is it Castellanos' fault that Woodford took offense to that and is so sensitive and is so soft? That he had a problem with that, really. My God. M- meanwhile, meanwhile, the team that cheated the sport and, and 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 put the and you know who cheated the sport on the way to winning a championship, a championship, cheated the sport. Integrity of the of the of the game is up in the air, and not, and I understand the reasons why, but. Not one player. Correa, Altuve, Griel, not one player. Verlander, the loudmouth, not one player was suspended. Yet Kelly gets suspended for giving the Astros a slice of humble pie, and Castellanos gets suspended for Shawnee motion. Really, Major League Baseball? Th- really? This is what we're going to do now? Really? 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 I mean, you, you, you gotta, you gotta be kidding me. Saying, quote, his aggressive actions and instigating a benches clearing incident. Grow up, Major League Baseball. Will you please grow up? Really? My goodness gracious. And and baseball, and baseball wonders why they're stuck in the dark ages as far as popularity and the base and their majority of their fan base is, is concerned. Because of stuff like this. I mean, it's, it's it's I understand not that many people care, but it's something that, when I read when I read the headlines of it a few days ago, it made me wanted to vomit. I mean, it's so reprehensible and so typical of baseball and Manfred. It, it, it's it, it, well, I, I I'm surprised, but at the same time, I'm not surprised because it's 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 the norm for the sport, and i not going to be satisfied until they have no one watching it anymore. We're going to have no one watching it anymore, and they, and and the FIFA World Cup gets a higher rating than the World Series, for crying out loud, on FS1. But anyway, I had to get that off my chest to understand nobody cares, but that's a joke for Major League Baseball. Now, the point that, that many a people, my buddy Maurice, appreciate you, brother, for listening to the show, it tells me he listens to the show all the time. Uh gallivanting around the along the beaches at uh, Coastal Carolina down the Carolinas. Tell me listen to the show all this time. Maurice, this one is for you and everyone else that has been asking me for the last week or two about why I cannot stand the 17-game regular season. You're about to find out right after this. Creations bump like acne, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, that dog couldn't catch me, say so how people could stop with Drake making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet, giving up egg assums with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies, Black Street and Teddy, the original down, puff shaker. Baby gotta woman all over time. Strictly this you don't play around, cover much grounds, got game by the town, keeping is a forte each and every day. True player wave, I can't get her out of my mind. Wow, I think about the girl all the time. Wow, east side to the west side, push pushing fat rise. It's no surprise. She got tricks in the stash, stacking up the cash fast when it comes to the gas. By no means that rash, it's when she's got the habit. Baby, you're a perfect 10, I wanna get in. Can I get down so I like the way you work it, no diggity, I thought to bag it I like the way you work it, no digging up, I've got to bag I like the way you work it, no diggity, no I've got to bag I like the way you work it, no digging, I've got to bag Welcome back to the Amatella Catalyus podcast. One last thing before you before uh, we said goodbye, and that is the fact that it was made official. And I gave him, and I gave my opinion on this when it was announced that this most likely was going to happen. But now that it's now a current thing in our uh, sports world, I'm going to give you my two cents on it before we uh, close out the show today. And that's the fact that the National Football League is going to. Expand their regular season one extra game, 17 game regular season, and compared to the 16 that was played from 1978 to 19, or excuse me, from 1978 to 2020, that's 42 years um of the 16 game schedule. Well, not, well, not, well, except for one. well no, they, no, they played 16 games, they had the two, and they had the two bye weeks, I believe in '93. But um, for the most part, you've had your regular sixteen-game regular season, and I might be the. Now I know the pl- a few players don't like it. Alvin Kamara uh made voice his opinion about it. He doesn't like it, and I can't blame him either. But I might be in the minority on this, as far as uh as far as uh fans are concerned, and the fact that I absolutely. That I I I just don't like the idea. I despise it, and I'm gonna t- and I'm gonna tell you and I'm gonna tell you why I des- and I'm gonna tell you why I despise it, because first off, first off, the NFL is going to get hammered because they didn't take now. I understand this little old me, you know, having a dopey sports talk podcast, you know having a dopey sports talk podcast that nobody listens to i understand that in the big picture no one gives a crap about what i have to say and and, and again that I, that my opinion falls by the wayside as far as the big influencers who ha- who sit in front of a microphone and talk and give their opinions on things uh sports related but 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 i'm t- but let me tell you this they're going to get killed they're going to get killed one of these years For uh, having a 17-game season. And I went and looked. The next, this year, Valentine's Day fall on a Sunday. You know, the next time Valentine's Day will fall on a Sunday, which will end up being Super Bowl Sunday, is February 2027. Super Bowl 61. Now, I understand that they're the big bad NFL and they can do no wrong. And I understand that if anyone can conquer the overly commercialized extravaganza that is Valentine's Day, it's the National Football League. But I'm trying to tell you right now, and especially because 2027, I would hope that COVID will be over with and mask wearing will be a th- and distancing will be a thing of the past. But And you can you can probably already tell that in the 2020s It's going to be, again, roaring 20s 2.0 Where people essentially are going to live life they never lived before Because the pandemic made them realize, holy crap Not everything in this life and tomorrow isn't necessarily guaranteed And take advantage of the things that you weren't able to take advantage of In the treacherous 2020 year that was They're going to get killed And Women and married women across America, and the girlfriends that live with their significant others that may not be some of them are but may not be big time football fans and have to stomach the fact that they essentially lose their quote unquote man's attention from one of, if, if if you're in the east coast from 1 o'clock in the afternoon till 11.30 at night or 12 o'clock in the afternoon to 10.30 at night or from 11 o'clock in the morning to 9.30 at night or if you're in the West Coast from 10 a.m. to 10 a.m. to 8.30 at night. Not to mention, or God forbid, they also happen to be a big-time college football fan whether they go to the school that they root for or or whomever. God forbid they're a big-time college football fan, so then you got got Saturdays and Sundays. Their life is dominated by football from early afternoon to late at night, wee hours in the morning. Dominated. And do you think women are going to stomach the fact that their man is essentially going to for the lack of a better term, blow them off on Valentine's Day to watch the Super Bowl at night, no less. When people are supposed to be out with the moon, with the moon, and I'm not again uh, East Coast. That's one thing. I, uh, I'm talking about the people that live, you know, in in states where for the most part they got decent weather in February. In the South, Florida, Georgia, Carolinas, Texas, uh, Nevada. California, Arizona, states like that, states like that. Especially if you live in states that's got nice scenic backgrounds, you can have your nice little candlelight dinner overlooking the desert or overlooking the beach or whatever. You think? You think? You think the women of America are gonna stomach that? You think they gonna stomach that? Valentine's Day, Yeah, honey, I'm sorry we can't go out tonight because uh, you know, because you know, it's uh, Super Bowl Super Bowl uh, 61 between the between the uh between uh the um I don't know. the 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 Kansas City Chiefs and the uh and the Carolina Panthers. So, sorry honey. Sorry, honey. No 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 dinner date. No dinner date. Uh gifts are because I gotta pay money to throw this at the throw this uh, dopey party, my all of my buddies are coming. All of my buddies are coming. My buddy from uh, couple buddies from work, couple of guys I went to high school with guy I go to the gym. My uh, buddy I met at the gym. Yep, they're all coming over. No date tonight, honey. Sorry, you know we got um it's, it's uh Mahomes and uh, Mahomes and Mac Jones, for the Lombardi Trophy, uh Super Bowl sixty uh, one. Let's go. You think you think they're gonna tolerate that? You think they're gonna stomach that? No, Valentine's Day, really? No dinner date, no candlelight dinner, and and I'm sorry, but I tell like this, and 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 no Valentine's Day loving afterwards. What do what are you, what are you, what are you guys gonna do? Fit their fit their fit their Valentine's Day uh love making session, you know, in between the you know in in the middle of the halftime show, blow off, uh, I don't know, I, I blow off, uh, blow off um, Beyonce performing in the Super Bowl for the fifteenth time to get their uh, to get their quick Valentine's Day love making session in during the thirty minute halftime on Valentine's Day middle of the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah, no 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 candlelight dinner tonight, honey. I understand that we live in a nice climate. It's Valentine's Day, you want to eat outside and stare at the stars and stare into each other's eyes, so hearts content. Sorry, I got my I got uh Ch- Chiefs panthers Super Bowl sixty one. Chance in hell women are gonna put up with that. Especially when they have to tolerate their men sitting on their hind parts. All throughout the rest of the all throughout the playoffs in January, and then having to deal with them all, you know, from weeks one through weeks, excuse me, week one through, one through eighteen, with the regular season. Not to mention the times that they watch football at birthday parties and family events, and and and, and Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and probably New Year's Eve one time or another or next, or New Year's Day. I mean, come on. Not a chance in hell. That's why I said if they're going to do 17 games, which again, I was, and I've been on record, I'm vehemently against, start the week, start the season a week earlier. Don't push back the back end of the season. Push back the front end of the season. And the only way I see my suggestion being taken up is if their ratings go in the toilet. They get like a record low, like 75 million people watch the Super Bowl. And someone says, hey, Raj, it was Valentine's Day when we had the Super Bowl. We got killed. We we can't, you know, the American women of the world are not going to be able to stomach after 6 months of of constant football watching weekends and days at a time they're not going to they're not going to be able to stomach in essentially giving up their valentines day for the super bowl we the, we got to stay i understand that they want that they want because it's been a long standing thing that the monday after the super bowl everyone should automatically have the week off because of the parties and everything else and the event runs till the event, not necessarily the game but the event runs till thirty at night on the East Coast. I understand that they're that they're trying to foot around with it, but to get the NBA All Star game that typically is around that's typically around President's Day, weekend stay the hell away from them. I understand the NFL and you don't care, but stay away from them. Just let them have their weekend and stay away from Valentine's Day. I have a feeling it's going happen. They're going to get like 80 million people watching the Super Bowl, and so I going to tell Raj, look, 17 games we had this extra game. We can't be we can't be having Super Bowls every every some odd years or so, every four every five years or so, you know on, you know on Valentine's Day. Can't do it. And it's not that we give a crap about college anyway. And college plays on Saturdays. Why not do it like we did back in the old days? and start the season the first weekend in September instead of the second, which is what I suggested which they should honestly do. Keep the Super Bowl the first Sunday of the month of February. Stay away from Valentine's Day. You start the season a week earlier. Not to mention you'll probably get more people out to the stadium because you you're, you're starting one week sooner and you have one week uh, as far as the East Coast and the in the North in the northern part of the Midwest is concerned, you have one one more week of quote unquote summer, and for the most part, kids aren't back in school until that Tuesday. So they got one, you know, or or the Tuesday after, not the Tuesday after, but that but that Tuesday, play it Labor Day weekend. Yeah, the NFL, you can afford, uh, what, there's no reason why you can't play Labor Day weekend. No one gives, Labor Day. people can have, you know, can build their Labor Day weekend over the kickoff of the football season, college and NFL. Be a huge, big extravaganza. Come out of this COVID stuff, people have a ball. Stay away from Valentine's Day and dominate Labor Day. You kick off the season, and you and you kiss goodbye the quote unquote summer, and you get a little more, and you get more. Probably you'll get more kids into the in, into the into the stadiums because they don't have to worry about going to school the next day. So the Sunday night game between between I don't know, uh, you know the uh, the Cowboys and the Packers. You'll get you'll get an extra some odd number of kids in Lambeau Field or at AT and T Stadium because because parents don't have to worry about waking their kids up at seven o'clock in the morning the next morning. Them, Come on, guys, get up for, Get up and gotta go to school. Well, they'll, they'll have you know if their school starts if their school doesn't start prior to labor they, they don't have that issue. That's another reason why I'm against it. Valentine's Day, and it's... Val- well, that's the first reason why I'm against it. Valentine's Day. Second reason why I'm against it. The divisional games are de-emphasized even further. 17 games, you got... Seven, 17 games, okay? 17 games, and seven teams make the playoffs. And you play every member of your division twice. Four times two. Or check that. There's four teams in the division. You play your three opponents twice a year. So three times two, that's six. Six, you do the math. Seventeen divided into six, or excuse me, six divided into 17, that's thirty. Five percent of your schedule is divisional opponents compared to sixteen games, well, thirty-seven. But still, sixteen games. You only okay. Well, okay. So not as much as I thought, but you get the idea. You play the seventeen. You play the seventeen games, and six of them, six, are against divisional opponents. Six, six, six. You have the you play six. You play the more the, the more you, and then of course the seventeen game. You got to play a team out of conference that finished in the same position as you did from the previous season. You know, 17 games, you play six divisional. Six. Six. One at your place, one at their place. The, the other three teams of your division. Six times. It's not that many. The divisional games de emphasize even further with the 17th game. The divisional matchups are worth 35% of the season from the 37%. Not good. Not good. Also, and this is a big thing, the wear and tear on the players. It is bad enough that the league makes their players go out there after they've killed each other all day on Sunday. They make each other play a game five days later on a Thursday night. On a Thursday night. on a Thursday night, and now they add another game. And last season, which ended up being the last 16-game NFL regular season of note, or as of right now, you had Nick Bosa, Saquon Barkley, Joe Burrow. You had many of A-list superstar players within your sport go out for the season have a season-ending injury. Season-ending injury. in a 16-game season. What do you think's going to happen when you add an extra game and guys have to make that turnaround from playing Sunday afternoon to go ahead and have to play a Thursday game? And oh, by the way, God forbid if they have to travel a good distance to play that Thursday game. And then what the NFL wants to do, because it's something I don't understand, their infatuation with playing in London. they want to make every team within the next eight years play one at least one game overseas. Why? Why? I'll tell you why, Because the NFL owners, and Goodell, who's their man, are a bunch of greedy gluttons. More, they are never satisfied. They are consumed with greed and money. They are greedy. They can never get enough. It's never enough with them. They're never never satisfied. They're always greedy. They're always wanting more. Well, I tell you what they're going to do if they don't stop. They're going to wreck and ruin and destroy their own product. Because you can't just keep kicking it into overdrive without any repercussions or any consequences. The players, especially the veteran ones and the ones that play the more physical positions, we don't know how it's going to affect them. The Alvin Kamara's of the world, the running backs, got the short shelf life in the league as it is. You want to have them play an extra game? Really? Because of dollars and cents? You didn't lose that much money because of the pandemic. I, I'm sorry, you had fa- you had a Super Bowl, you had your regular playoffs, a couple of places, you had fans in the stands, you still had your games. You, no game was canceled. You lost. A li- you didn't lose that much NFL. Come on now. At what point is enough enough in the say, in the sake of the almighty dollar? The wear and tear in the players. The Alva you know, the Alva Camaros of the world. Another reason why I don't like it. The You're gonna have you're gonna have the stats that's gonna have a little asterisk next to them. For the better part. Now I understand that we've dealt with, you know, you've you know, point and tell me the NFL you played 12 games and you played 14, but for a long time. For nearly a half of the league's history, you play you played 16 games. That's the landmark. That's you know you go back and you look at the history books. Brady, you know as far as whether it's passing, or receiving, all of them is within a 16 game schedule. And now you and especially with these offensive stats, who's gonna who's gonna take these offensive stats seriously anymore? It's bad enough that they play in a league that caters. And I made this argument when I brought up Phil Burris is not a call for him quarterback. The league caters, caters to the offense. They've created rules in favor of the offense for points and for scoring. Who is going to take any of whatever records that may happen with the 17 game schedule from here on out? Who is going to take any of them seriously? They catered to the offense as is, and they got the extra game. Peyton Manning, Steve Young didn't play with a seven; didn't play a seventeen game man for a regular season. Tom Brady for, for the majority of his career, which his legacy has been cemented off of the sixteen game. He didn't play seventeen games. Brett Favre, seventeen games. Come on. The second time you got to go against that guy, oh, well, that's when they added 17 games, so you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. You cater to the offense as is. You're going to make it worse and essentially ruin and tank the credibility of, I mean, at this one, why even bother keeping stats? Why even bother having these records? Drew, 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 every record that Drew Brees and or Tom Brady not, not necessarily win a championship with Brady because I don't think anyone's going to ever top Brady as far as, as far as uh, championships and individual game achievements are concerned. As far as the records that Brady that uh, you know that Brady owns by himself, but who Drew Brees isn't going to be known as the quote unquote uh, league's greatest as far as, he ain't going to hold all of those passing records for that much longer playing a 17-game regular season in a league that caters to the offense. These offense stats is going to be a complete joke. It's going to be a joke. Going to be a joke. And just because it may be video game numbers, there's a reason why they're called video game numbers, because those numbers should only appear on one stat line unless you're playing a video game. So and it's and it's gonna overrate and overinflate these players as far as their production and their skill level and how great they really are, and I hate that. It, it sixteen games wasn't broke, why fix it? You want to expand the playoffs? Don't like it? I can live with it. Seventeen games. <clears throat> And 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 I tell you another thing: the NFL isn't isn't is careful. They're going to get into this NBA stuff as far as play, as far as load management is concerned. And you know, if you have problems with teams resting their players, you know, you know, if for to protect them for for the play, for the playoffs, oh, just just you wait. You'll see some load management done. And it won't be pretty. If the NFL doesn't stop, they they are going to destroy themselves. I'm I'm telling you right. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And the, and no one wanted this team. The the, the fan the, the fans that like it, they didn't ask for it. And the players don't like it. They the owners, those greedy, gluttonous owners, they wanted it. There's no need for a 17 game. No need for it. Absolutely no need for it. It will it will make it worse. the The divisional games won't be as that won't be as meaningful. You'll have more players probably getting hurt with the 17 games now than than ever before, and as a result, you'll have teams essentially have the have their own little twist on the load management stuff, not playing them in a lot of these games to rest them up if they're in playoff contention, so they can play in the playoffs. lost revenue lost revenue my left foot you didn't lose that much money guys you you, you, you still earned 12 billion dollars this year in the midst of a pandemic through all of this so it's, it's going to fall in the deaf ears of a lot of people I mean the 17th game really in the sake of the almighty dollar you 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 all y- y'all can't be that greedy and 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 be that addicted to money and be that money hungry cuz lord knows you don't need it it ruins the credibility of 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 uh of your schedules as far as divisional matchups are concerned the players are going to be as far as bu- they're going to be physically taxed to no end You'll have some controversial games and moments where players won't play to protect themselves for later in the season. Players are going to be injured to hell to hell and back like no season we've ever seen before. And that's coming off of the season that was in 2020. You had many of superstars miss the rest of the season due to season-ending injury. This is going have an asterisk on these stats. Why bother even taking these passing yard stats and all and a lot of these offensive stats uh, seriously anymore? You play in an offensively catered soft league, and then, of course, you add the extra game. Well, no wonder they're going to pass for X amount of yards and this many touchdown passes and have a completion percentage of this. They got an extra game, and they play in, a, in an offensively catered game. I don't like the idea that they pushed it it back a week to the second week in February instead of moving the season up a week, which is what they really should do if they wanted to add this dopey, stupid 17th game. You don't need it. There's really no need for it. And to make it all worse, you're not even adding an extra bye week, which makes it worse. They're going to have these players... Play an extra game, no extra bye week have the five day have the five days in between the two games, and in the meantime because we're so desperate for the British dollar or for the American citizens dollar that happens to live in London that also happens to be a football fan was so desperate for their dollar that we'll essentially ship every team out on the Mayflower ship a lot of the pilgrims and, 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 and you know back you know back when they had the first Thanksgiving it will ship them off to London so we can play a, a a bonehead meaningless game in front of a bunch of American citizens in a different country for no particular reason whatsoever. We'll go ahead and we'll ship them off to London. I and I, tell you, and I tell you another thing. I don't hear the NFL say, not a word, not a peep, not this, not that, no nothing about player safety because that's out the window now. You're making your players play a 17 game, and then within the next couple of years, you'll make every team fly back and forth to London. And then, oh, by the way, why we still have Thursday night football, I don't understand making the players play the two games in the five days with the extra 17 game and oh by the way no bye week either they still get the one bye week so if you so if you happen to be the team that gets by you know they week four week five your bye week comes along and you're just getting started and and you've only played one month of your season well you're screwed especially if you're a team that's trying to compete you know, for the playoffs to win the championship, you're screwed if your if your bye week is the first is the first weekend in October, and you're and you're a playoff contending team, you're screwed, because your team essentially has to go pedal to the metal from from once you get back from that bye week all the way through with the added seventeenth extra game. And God forbid you play a Thursday and God forbid you play a Thursday night game after fly over to London after your bye week. Then that then, then you'll then you'll really be in for a doozy. But I wanna and hear the NFL, the commissioner, not no one sit up here and talk about player safety. Not 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 another word. 'Cause it's gonna go one ear out the other and 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 you're gonna come off as extremely tone-deaf and extremely hypocritical. We do not need a 17th game. I could give two two horse craps about what the owners say. We don't need a 17th game. You sign that big fat contract with the network, you don't need the 17th game. And the idea that more players get hurt in preseason any other time, oh, shut up, will you please? Shut up. Half the the superstar players don't play in the preseason anyway. Hate it. I absolutely hate it. I hate it. I hate there's not one thing I like about the 17-game schedule. Not one thing. I cannot stand it. I can't stand it. I hate it, I despise it, and we don't need it and I hope, and I pray to God that this comes back and bites the NFL into the you know whats so they can get off the seventeen game nonsense, go back to sixteen like the way it was, and say, You know what? the old motto is still, and the old saying is still true to this day. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't get greedy and don't get to, boy. Your eyes start getting bigger than your stomach, when you oversaturate the product and in turn you end up ruining it and making the your quote unquote golden goose that is your game and your league, and and and, and you oversaturate it and you kill it, and, and you ruin it and you destroy it. Because the NFL isn't careful, they're going to be on that path. You bet. You bet your life savings on it. I can't. I can't stand it. I despise it, and I don't like it at all one bit. I don't like it. I don't like it. I understand. Well, when the 17th game comes around, you'll watch it. Well, yeah, of course I'll watch it. I'm a football fan. But that doesn't that does take away the fact that that if it was me, and if I was in a situation that these guys were in, I wouldn't have that 17th game. Wouldn't I do it? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I tell them this. Y'all want to find a way to make more money? Lower your ticket prices. Lower your ticket prices so it's more easier for people to walk up to the box office and get tickets for seats. Lower your prices. Lower your ti- here's, here's what you do. Lower your ticket prices. Make sure that we don't have to pay regular season price for preseason football games. Have them play two preseason games, not four. Lower your t- don't don't charge full price for preseason. Lower your regular season prices and and make and make it and make it work that way. And make it and make it work that way. I I I I cannot stand the seventeen games. I don't like it. And they can give me all the reasons they want why they implemented it, I could care less. And one ear out the other with me. I do not like it. We don't need a 17th extra game. No one asked for a 17th extra game. We don't need any extra, any more games. 16 is fine. And oh, by the way, before I forget, another reason why I don't like and it might be petty and it might be a little weird to y'all listening out there, but I don't like the idea that that your regular that your amount of regular season games is an odd number. I I, I, I that that just the it, it it's 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 finicky it's finicky and it's a little weird to me. NHL NBA you you play eighty two games even number baseball you play one hundred eighty two games even number. I don't know. I th- with college football you play either twelve or fourteen games even number college basketball I don't know how many games you play in the college basketball season but I can imagine it's an even number of games even your little league or your high school schedule you play an even amount of games 10 12, 14 if it's basketball you play about 20 something baseball you play about you know anywhere between 14 to 20 something. High School football, you play 10, 12, 14 games. It's an even number. I, I just the look of it uh, odd number amount of games like ugh. it's it's a, it's it's it to me to me it's a, it's a tacky and it's a weird look odd number amount of games. It, it, it just it just doesn't look right and there's just something about it it, 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 it it throws me off. I don't I don't like it and it throws me off. No no other league no other league, whether it's NCAA D one or no other professional sports league that I know of plays an odd number amount of regular season games. Football's the only one. Why? Just why? So that's what that's why, Maurice, why I can't stand the seventeen game schedule. I can't stand it, don't like it players. I don't like it from the player standpoint. I don't like it, the fact that it's an odd number amount of games. I don't like the fact that essentially you might as well throw the record books out, especially the offensive slash quarterback uh, uh, record books and stats. on You might as well throw them out the window because it's going to screw up the record books. It's going to screw up the, the, the stats and all that sort of stuff is concerned. You don't need the extra game. I don't like it as far as the, the, the player safety standpoint. And it's just, and to be quite frankly with you, I like the 16. There was nothing wrong with the 16. If it ain't broke, why fix it? And if the NFL ain't careful, they're going to ruin their product, and they're going to destroy it before their very eyes via self-destruction if they don't stop. Oh, and another reason why I don't like it is because instead of starting it a week earlier, they push it back so you have the Super Bowl the second Sunday in February, not the first, which I don't like. One reason, because Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday on Valentine's Day, I know ain't gonna fly with the, with the, uh, with the heterosexual girl girlfriends and wives of America. And two, my goal, Lord willing, is to be a play-by-play guy for the you know broadcast the play-by-play NFL for you know, whatever network still doing it at that time CBS whatever NBC whatever it might be. And maybe a little selfish of me, but one of the things that I look forward to is if God bless me with the opportunity to broadcast a Super Bowl on my father's born first within the first seven days of February and February 5th has fallen on Super Bowl Sunday quite a many a time since they moved the game from late January to February is that I would have loved to call a Super Bowl on my dad's birthday. And now I can't. I call it on my aunts because my aunt's born on Valentine's Day. So, you know, so that, but again, f- f- my father, my father, always wanted to, again, wanted a You might call it crazy, you might call this, that, and the other. One of my dreams of mine, call to play-by-play a Super Bowl on television and a play-by-play a Super Bowl on television on my dad's birthday. And I can't do that because these greedy-ass NFL owners want the extra game because the stupid idiots that work in the NFL that put their schedule together push back the season instead of starting it a week earlier. Bothers me. Bothers me. That's your show. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Amatel T.I.S. Podcast. If you're new to the pl- If you're new to the program and you like what you heard, please subscribe if you haven't already. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it, TIS, and the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore Podcast. Follow me on socials at the J Shield. Talk to you on Saturday. Y'all stay safe and take care. Talk to you later. See you.